It's 7.36 in the great city of Chicago and your home for White Sox baseball. We've got baseball this afternoon. White Sox and Oakland A's. Pre-game show starts at 1.30. Is that correct? Sounds about right. And it'll close out the series. Reynaldo Lopez is on the bump. Sox will try and take two of three in Oakland and then come home for the Boston Red Sox with my guy Jonathan Hood and Connor McKnight on the call with Len moving to TV. I'm, I think your pregame's at two with a 2.37 start. There you go. You are correct with a bonus uh, four-hour Carmen and Yurko show today, boys. Nice. They're up till two. How about that? So we go Carm Yurk till two, yeah. and then we replace Waddle Sylvie for the day. Enjoy the day, boys. For White Sox baseball. Carmen Yurko, 10 to 2. So you people on Twitter, you give it a rest for a day. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. All right. Dan Wiederer is our guy. He also works for the Chicago Tribune. He does a masterful job on the Chicago Bears beat. It is a banged up club. It appears from the morning injury report that our great EP, executive producer Danny Zetterman, gave us. And that leads us to Dan Wiederer. Dan, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are very well. How serious is this lengthy injury report? Uh, Eddie Goldman, knee, ankle, did not practice. Uh, Jimmy Graham just got a non-injury resting day. But then you had Joel Igwebunye, shoulder limited. Khalil Mack, <laughs> groin limited. Darnell Mooney, back. Where'd that come from? Limited. Robert Quinn, back. Right. Limited. Like, right. There's a lot to unpack there. Are these guys going to play? First of all, it's EA Booneyway. Say yeah. it with me now. EA Booneyway. EA Booneyway. Okay. Yes. EA Booneyway. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get that right going yeah, forward. You, you work with me. You should get that right. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> wow. The, the, uh, the, I the do. Eddie Goldman, the, the Eddie Goldman news needs developing, right? And we need to hear from Matt Nagy this morning on exactly what happened, when it happened, how severe it is, and what that means up front. These other guys who are limited, I'm not all that concerned about Mooney. Uh, Mac, obviously, after he was on the injury report 10 games out of 16 last year, you'd like to see him go into the season not dealing with something that's bothering him. But he was on the practice field yesterday, didn't look hampered by it. Quinn is another guy that you're constantly going to have the yellow highlighter on and say, hey, what's going on with him this week? Is he able to play a full complement of snaps? Is he able to give you what you need? Otherwise, you've got to start looking at your depth at edge rusher. I'm not super concerned about the health of this team right now. There are bigger concerns for this team, and one of them is the, the Los Angeles Rams and all the challenges that they put on you, both offensively and defensively. It's not an easy test for the Bears to take out of the gates, and I don't know that next week is going to be all that cheery in this city. Uh, what are we looking at with the Rams offensively with Matt Stafford and company? What are, what are your expectations for the Rams, the, the new-look Rams? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really trying to figure out what that new-look looks like right obviously there was great uh excitement in la and and particularly in sean mcveigh's office to go out and get a veteran who has talents that jared goff didn't have and has experience that jared goff didn't have and can open up parts of your offense now stafford in that first unit offense didn't play at all in august and so we have no idea what any of it looks like right and so it's a little bit of a a guessing game into what that's going to translate into on Sunday night, I think what you always see with the Rams is they, they, they use so much motion and play action and all these other things that really 
uh, challenge a, a defense to be disciplined. You hear a lot about eye discipline this week at Hallis Hall, about guys on the back end, even guys up front, making sure that they see enough but don't see too much. Locked in to slow this offense down. Stafford's a really good quarterback. He's in an offense now that should bring out the fullest potential that he has. And now I think uh, everyone in L.A. wants to see what that looks like, and the Bears have the challenge of, of trying to slow it down. Dan, you tweeted earlier, and we've discussed this on the show with you, about that you think the offense can be, it's the bright way to paraphrase, markedly improved. Do you still yeah, feel yeah. that way? Yes, and, and, and again, like I, I, I appreciate you asking that question because it requires context. And we're talking about an offense that was 29th two years ago, an offense that was 26th a year ago in total yards. And so you're looking about uh, a jump that gets them into the teens, right? Like get out of the 20s, get yourself up to 19, 18, maybe 17. And that qualifies here in Chicago as significant improvement. You're still in the bottom half of the league, but you've made significant improvement. And I think this group can do that. I think they're going to be better at quarterback. I think the running game is going to be more established. And I, for one, don't have the panic that a lot of people in Chicago seem to have about the offensive line. Do I think it's a top-tier offensive line? Absolutely not. But am I as concerned as the outside world seems to be about how disaster it is up front? I'm not. You think about some of the young play callers that are around the NFL, the McVeighs, the Kyle Shanahan's, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, all part of that Washington staff at some point. They're all Washington assistants. So where does Nagy fall, do you feel, uh, as far as – play callers around the league because I see Sean McVay because he's been to the Super Bowl, been there and done that. I see McVay having a little bit of a a leg up on Matt. I mean, no question there. I mean, one of the questions that I asked Matt earlier this week is, is how he would define progress in 2021 for the entire team. And I think this is an important question for all of us because it, it, it sort of circles back to, uh, job security and, and whether the belief from above and the guys leading the team is justified or whether it should be challenged. And Matt said one of his goals for this season is to make sure that they know what they have offensively much, much sooner. He said, you know, by week four or five or six, you should know who you are. You should know what you are as an offense. I think in the last couple of years, we've seen an offense that has gotten into December and still been talking about, man, once we find our identity, well, it shouldn't take that long. And that's on the guy who oversees the offense. That's on the guy who calls the plays to make sure that he's catering the playbook to the strengths of the players he has. And right now, Matt is uh, at best unproven, at worst unqualified, you know, in some ways for, for, for the role that he has. And he's got to answer that question in 2021. I think a lot of this year for us on the outside who, who, who are going to be assessing this team, you have to figure out how high power does the microscope need, need, need to be and, and what slides are you putting under there? One of the slides that needs to be in there every week is, is Matt Nagy as the offensive overseer, and what does that look like? So, well, you hear what he said there? Yeah. Dan, again, un, un, unproven street and unqualified boulevard. That's nowhere to be. Nowhere. <laughs> Seriously. Get on, put on the GPS and find a way out, right? Especially start, when start. you were hired because you were an offensive guru. Correct. Right. And so this is why there is this, this worry in the city. I want to bounce this off you guys because it's sort of alarming to me, but also just trying to figure it all out because there's been this roller coaster in the city where – uh, obviously, the January press conference was a disaster. When they signed Andy Dalton, it was not received well. Uh, I think we could find some audio of Cap on the days after the Dalton signing saying that this, uh, you know, brain trust wasn't qualified to run a Toys R Us or something to that extent. Uh, and then Justin Fields was drafted, <laughs> and there was this, there was this, <laughs> I will find it, there was this surge of euphoria around the Fields pick, and now because Fields isn't starting, it seems like that, that, that great sense of anxiety and dread has crept back into the city. There's an exciting week one opener on primetime against the Rams, and, and yet around the city you, you sort of feel this worry that seems to be the predominant uh, emotion. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, 
I think there are some people that are so anti-Dalton, so anti-Ryan Pace, so anti-Matt Nagy mm-hmm. that no matter what they do, if it doesn't have Justin Fields starting a game, they, they just this team stinks they're going to get crushed. Would you agree? Yeah, I do. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that crowd is out there. And now I think it's probably trying to figure out a way around that to get a true sense of who this team is. And again, I, I think this kind of circles back to what, what would we all define as progress and improvement? Those were the buzzwords used by George and Ted back in the winter on what they needed to see in 2021. And for me, it's not necessarily a win total. It's not necessarily a return to the playoffs. For me, it's, it's you know, what, what does the development of Justin Fields look like throughout 2021? What does it look like at the end of 2021? And do you feel going into 2022 that he's your for sure long-term answer at the position Everything else doesn't matter quite as much as that. And so it's a complicated season because if they go 7-10, and 10, but Fields looks like Herbert did a year ago or Burrow did a year ago and you feel really good about solidifying that position, then does the 7-10 the and 10 and the lack of a playoff appearance bother you as much? Well, I just think that one of the things that Cap and I have talked about, Dan, is that you can see that there's a divide between Justin Fields fans and actual Bears fans. Because if you're a Bears fan, no matter who's under center, you should be rooting for the team. But you could just tell, I don't know, if merchandise sales or just because it's new and fresh. But the idea that people are just pro-Justin Fields and whatever happens with nagging the Bears, I don't think you can separate the two. But I think we've heard a lot of that this summer. It's a, yeah, it's a combination of excitement and impatience. It's an understandable one because, obviously, Fields is who he is. He's very dynamic. He's got a ton of potential. I think the best news that this franchise has from the last four months is that this kid came in to Hallis Hall and it's been everything that the Bears thought he would be and more. And so that's why I, I think some of the, the, the sort of uh, swelling up of the angst and the worry uh, is a little bit off base with what's actually happening there because your, your future franchise quarterback is making all the strides he needs to make. He's just not ready to start week one. And you should be really excited that, that you know, he came in through OTAs, minicamp, training camp, preseason games, and checked all the boxes they asked him to check. And so that should be an exciting thing, and it shouldn't be something that leads you into the season feeling like, oh, my God, everything is off the rails again. Uh, we're tight on time very quickly. Of the extensive injury list, are you concerned about Mac and Mooney and Eddie Goldman? Well, Goldman, yeah. I mean, 100% on Goldman because he missed all last season. He missed time in camp with a back issue as well as uh, a positive COVID test. And so you need that guy in the front of your defense. And if he's not uh, able to go, you're, you're reshuffling again. And you didn't think you'd have to be reshuffling there. So we need to get an update later this morning, figure out what it means for this week and beyond, and, and see where it takes us. Hey, man, have a great day. All right, guys. Thank Appreciate you, you. There he is, Dan Witterer from the Chicago Tribune and ESPN 1000. Eddie Jackson, our guy. Tommy Waddle's guy, Eddie Jackson, on what he sees in Justin Fields. It's about time we got a black, you know what I'm saying? A real quote. Uh, uh, what? No, I don't know what you mean, right? What do you mean, Eddie? We'll play it next. About time. Cap J Hood. Follow on Instagram at Cap J Hood. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Marcus Spears is awesome on yes. television. We knew we had him on because you're wearing your sissy blue jacket today. Excuse me? Yeah, your sissy blue jacket. 
This is awesome. As the LSU coach would say about UCLA. Yeah, exactly. I love that LSU coach. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Ed Ogeron is awesome. He is. I've gotten to interview him. I like that dude. Yeah. I think he'd be fun to play for. But Marcus Spears is one of those guys who's taken his personality, which he brought to the NFL and to football, and brought it to TV. And now he brings it to our show, and he's kind enough to join us. Marcus, good morning. How are you today? Fellas, what's going on, man? Good to talk to you guys in the Chi-Town. It's good to talk to you. So all anyone here, and apparently it's all anyone at ESPN wants to do, is dissect Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, day after day after day. (laughs) What do you think about Matt Nagy saying this is not about what's best for Matt Nagy, this is about what's best for the Bears long term and Justin Fields? Um, you know, it's great for Justin Fields if, if he feels like he's not ready. But Matt Nagy uh, conceding that he may not be a part of the plans in the future because what he's doing at the quarterback spot, y'all know, I think is outrageous. But the bottom line is, it's something about what they've been seeing every day telling them that Justin is not ready. And I guess I had to come to the to the conclusion that that has to be the situation because when you talk about talent, and even in the offseason when Andy and, and, and Justin had an opportunity to play, I thought it was clear as day who the best quarterback was on the roster. And I don't think there's much of a disagreement there. I just think Matt Nagy is playing it safe. I don't agree with that. Um, but at the end of the day, man, that is what they feel. I hope, listen, guys, I hope that is what they feel like is best for the team and, and, and the best position to give them an opportunity to win. If it's about preserving Justin Fields or worrying about ruin, ruining a quarterback that's young or, or a situation where you told Andy Dalton that he was going to be the starter and have an opportunity to play, and, and if those are the reasons why Justin Fields isn't, isn't starting, Matt Nagy ain't got to worry about the damn future. He won't be there. It'll be another coach making the decision to put Justin Fields in because he's the best, uh, best guy to lead this team from the quarterback spot. Marcus, the thing that I'm concerned about is the locker room, and you can speak to this better than we can regarding how a locker room looks at a veteran in Dalton who's been there and done that, and we know what he can do, versus a young guy in fields that you know is the future. What are the other, what are the other teammates thinking about that in a scenario like this? Well, look, man, one, in Andy Dalton, you have respect for veterans, man, who's, who's doing it for a long time, and all the things that I've heard, um, Andy is a, is a good dude. People like him. Um, he's been a good teammate when he was in Cincinnati. Do speak highly of him. But but one thing about the locker room, man, that I'm glad you asked that question is, if all of those guys clearly think Justin is the best guy uh, to put them in a situation to win games, because that's the thing that I've been screaming on television. It's not just about making this decision uh, between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. It's 51 other guys you got responsibility to as well if you Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. So, the bottom line is this, man. It's a fractured locker room if those guys think Justin Fields is the best option um, for them to win games. Now, if, if they think that the veteran presence of Andy and what they've seen from Andy day in and day out and what they're hoping translates on the field from whatever positive things they've taken away from Andy being in there, then all is well. And, and we all know the game. Like winning is cure-all for everything, Right. But if you if you lose and you start getting your head bashed in, it's going to be dudes in that locker room looking at Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace like, "Hey man, um, let's see if the let's see if the young guy 
can do a better job. And if that movement is not happening, that's the quickest route to lose them. Marcus, what do you think of the Bears' defense? Because if you take the average age of their starters, it's 24 and a half. But then you look and you go, well, the cool and key dudes out there, Trevathan's on injured reserve right now. Mac is mm-hmm. over 30. Quinn's over 30. Hicks is over 30. What do you think of their defense? Well, I mean, you, you talk about the age. I think Khalil going to have a have a bounce-back year. Uh, I think he's taking it personally. Akeem is a big physical presence, man. And as far as D tackles, he is he is a top-tier echelon when he's healthy. Um, and obviously you start thinking about age. Roquan is coming along. Obviously Robert Quinn needs to be the guy that they thought he would be coming over from Dallas and having the type of impact on that. I, I feel good about this defense. And the reason I feel good about it, is one thing that people may look at negatively. It's a lot of veterans and a lot of experience on this defense. And they understand how to play in, in, in situational football, especially when you're playing, when you potentially have an offense that's not going to produce um, like, like you want them to or like you would love to have them do. So, look, everybody talks about the Chicago Bears. And we've been focused on Justin Fields and Andy Dalton and the saga playing out. Um, from the quarterback spot. If this is going to be a playoff team like they were last year and the identity of this team, it runs straight through this defense. That's the focal point of the Chicago Bears right now. Yeah, it's some talent offensively. David, went, David Montgomery went over 1,000 yards. Obviously, I, I think Allen Robinson is a one. I think everybody thinks that based on what he's been doing um, for the last three years there. But the bottom line is that defense is going to carry the banner for the Chicago Bears. And I think if they have any shot at getting in the playoffs, if this Andy Dalton experience doesn't go well, it's going to be because those guys are forcing turnovers, they're giving their offense short fields, and they are able to put their imprint on the game. It'll be two or three plays where you look and say, okay, we won that game because our defense set us up in the right situation. That's what they're going to have to be this year, and they have the guys to do it, man. So, Marcus, this uh, big matchup for the Bears on Sunday night against the Rams. What do you think of the Rams yeah. now with their new quarterback and Matthew Stafford? How do you think it's going to work out? Oh, I think it's going to work out great, man. Listen, um, you know, the the one thing, you know, we're all talking about Tampa potentially going 17-0. and I don't know if people remember in Week 11 the Rams beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they were in their flow. So did and the they Bears. they figured out a lot of things. I'm, so, not the Bears, I'm sorry. Um, the the Rams. Yeah, and, and the Bears the did as well. Yeah, the Rams beat the yeah, yeah, Tampa the Bears, as well. The yeah. Bears did as well. But I'm he has yeah talking about the Rams um, from an offensive standpoint. And McVay thinks that Stafford is going to elevate them even beyond that. The issue he had with Jared Goff was that he thought he couldn't overcome the X's and O's. If everything was clean and clear, Jared Goff could play at a high level. What Matthew Stafford will do for this team because he's been in Detroit. Uh, suffering with an organization and a franchise through all types of change from head coaching to general manager to identity and how they want to play football. Now he's, he's going to be supported by a really good defense. Obviously, we know that. And then when you look at the offensive side, um, having Sony Michelle is a pickup in that zone scheme is great. But Matt Stafford should lift this team, and I have them with an opportunity to be there in the end in the Super Bowl, they have an opportunity. Tampa is obviously the favorite, and uh, and some other teams are in there. But the, and Green Bay obviously. But the top three teams for me in the NFC right now today is Tampa, the Rams, and Green Bay. 
So the league released this morning through their medical staff that 93.5% of players are vaccinated fully. 99% of all other football staff are vaccinated at least one shot, if not fully. Yet you have a team like Buffalo. You have a team, Minnesota. Their coach called them out multiple times. Do you think the vaccine issue could drive a wedge into a locker room or no, guys will just they'll work around it? Oh, absolutely. It could drive a wedge, especially if you're losing a key guy um, on your way to trying to have success. And, and look, man, it's it's all good in the offseason to say, hey, I respect everybody's uh, approach to the vaccine. I respect how guys are handling it. But paychecks, paychecks change narratives. And now we in the today, Thursday, tonight, Tampa, Dallas Cowboys. Direct deposits hits on Tuesday and Wednesdays. And when guys' um, personal choices have the potential to stand in the way of that beyond football, yeah, it'll 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 be some issues. It'll drive some wedges. So look, man, for the unvaccinated guys, they have to, all of these guys have to be very careful. But the unvaccinated guys, especially, they have to be more cautious than than anybody that's vaccinated to make sure that they can get from week to week without getting COVID, man, because it's 10 days. You're done for a week for sure. And then you have to test negatively and, and then the effects potentially of having it. So, look, I'm, 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 I'm vaccinated. I'm a proponent of getting vaccinated, but I'm also, I, I'm also a proponent of guys making their own decisions, but, re, but realize that those decisions have consequences, not only to you as a per, personally, not only to the people around you, but also when we're talking about the NFL, it has an impact on your football team and your availability. And I don't know when availability became such a small order in the NFL. It's always been a big deal to have your guys available. And when you have these possibilities of not having them, that's something that you take into account, and that's something that the rest of your team, who, who potentially are vaccinated or the majority of your team is vaccinated, going to be looking at you real stupid if you have to miss 10 days because you unvaccinated. Marcus, as a Georgia guy and an SEC guy, I will tell you that hurt my heart to see LSU, your Tigers, go down to the Bruins. Right. What, what, what the <laughs> hell, man? Don't do that to the conference, man. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, man, right, what what, what the hell happened there? Can you get past McNeese on, on Saturday? Look, look, they lost. They lost to UCLA, and UCLA played well. But the, bottom, the thing that, that had me peed off was the fact that we lost at the line of scrimmage. Now, I'm going to watch Chip Kelly and this team the rest of the way because we may be discounting UCLA by talking about how bad LSU looked. And I know the whole narrative of Pac-12 and SEC, and I still believe we should never lose to a Pac-12 team in the trenches. But I don't want to dismiss the fact that UCLA not only had a great plan, but they had some players out there that could flat out get after it. Look, man, when LSU loses, I go down in the dumps. And I potentially am going to have to watch my Cowboys lose tonight. So if y'all ever want me to come back on this show – Leave LSU out of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, hey, turn on that Georgia film. Tell the LSU put hey, that's how that's how you get it done at the line of scrimmage, no, right there. No doubt, man. Them big boys up front, eight man. Clemson did a phenomenal job on defense too. Yeah, they, just both of them offenses got me nervous, man. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I love Ed Orgeron. I'd love to play for that dude. Oh man, it, you know Ed O is the is the rah rah guy. He gets everybody going, gets everybody ready to play. But he has to surround himself with some coordinators, some guys that know what the hell they're doing. And it didn't look like that week one. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward here. 
pick on the Bear Ram game. Give us your score. Man, I'm gonna take the Rams. I'm gonna take the Rams uh twenty four to seventeen over the Bears. And I think, guys, I think, look, um maybe it's wishful thinking, but I hope at some point we get to see a package of something from Justin Fields. I hope you're right. Have a great day, man. We appreciate you. Keep up the great work. You're awesome. All right, fellas. Thank y'all, man. Y'all have a good one. You too. There he is, Marcus Spears, pride and joy of LSU, the Cowboys, the Ravens. Do you know that Danny Zetterman and Carmen DeFalco are going to be part of something very special? It'll be the Monster, Monster, Monster Jam. At the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, fans will witness a fierce battle for the event championship with each skilled Monster Jam athlete tearing up the dirt with gravity-defying defeats in 12,000-pound Monster Jam trucks going head-to-head for points in freestyle, skills challenge, racing competitions, and more. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Caller 10... Regular line, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. If you want to go in a special suite with Carmen and Zed for the Monster Jam at Allstate Arena, be caller 10. We'll hook you up with tickets. Our way of saying thanks for listening to Captain J. Hood. All right, up next, our good friend, the CEO of Bernie's Book Bank, Darren Utnick, on the Unity Walk we'll be doing on the 23rd, 25 miles. You can help. Be right back. Captain J. Hood. J. Hood. Is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. is the CEO of Bernie's Book Bank. Dot org. Dot org. Bernie's Book Bank dot org. Yep. He and I will be for the second consecutive year doing what we call Walk is One Chicago, our unity walk. I wear a half Cubs, half White Sox jersey. And we raise money for his amazing organization. You're going to roll that jersey out again? Yes. You didn't give that away? No. No mothball, dusty thing? It, it's in good shape. It's been on a hanger. It's ready to go. Oh, so, Darren... Are you ready for this 25-mile jaunt that will start, I believe, at United Center? And we're going to hit every stadium in the Chicago area. I am. I'm getting ready. Uh, I've been putting in my miles, getting my steps. Mm-hmm. We went to Fleet Feet. We got fitted. We got fitted. That was versus, big. Oh, my God. Did that change my life? It's awesome. It was huge. Comfort, right? Um, Comfort. Yeah. Comfort over style. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And I just can't thank you guys enough for all your support. It's great seeing you guys in person. Um, but really... Thank you to thanks all the listeners because I think this is going to be a big event this year. I hope so. We raised a hundred thousand last year, and we're trying to top that this year for your organization. Tell us what the genesis of Bernie's Book Bank is. What's the biggest thing they do? Well, we're laser focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's increasing book ownership mm-hmm. to underserved children, and that's what we do. I'm super proud of our organization. We've been around ten years. We're getting ready to distribute our twenty millionth book this October. But during the pandemic, we did 1.3 million, and we did that without any volunteers in our facility because of COVID. Now that we're welcoming volunteers back, we're going to get that number back up, 1.3, 1.5. But we're going to get it up to about 3 million books a year to 350,000 children. The reason why this resonates with me and I was learning about it last year is that there's still certain places around the city and around the state that doesn't have Wi-Fi. So the, the ability to have books 
you know, like how we came up. And if you have books to be able to read and be able to learn, that really means something to a young person. Absolutely. I think you guys, two successful gentlemen, right? I think you both would uh, agree. Mid, uh, mid yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the worst of the of the success. It's radio, right? Yeah. But reading is still fundamental. <laughs> it is. Right? It's fundamental to everything you do, yeah. and that's why book ownership is so critical. And these children, so in this in the areas that we serve, there's usually one book for every three hundred children. So that book's not getting checked out. No. They're not getting to utilize that book. They're not getting ready to read. They're not getting ready for when they get into school. And so we have to change that. And here's the easiest thing about it: it's a solvable problem. We know how to solve it. We'll just increase the book ownership, right? We'll get them reading ready so when they're in school, they're ready to go. And the stat that I always tell is the state of Arizona bases their penitentiary needs on fourth grade test scores. If that doesn't scare everybody listening today, it should because we know how to solve that problem. Get them books. Get them books. Now, this is not from the strip club the other night. This is uh, fine money that we've accumulated because of Cap's coughing. So... Whether it's me, it could literally be the biggest. We talked to Matt Nagy in the middle of the interview. He went, <clears throat> and you hear just underneath, <laughs> Hood goes, that's a fine. Yes. A lot of that's from the LaRusse interview also. And he, he, because he coughed like 20 times in the interview with correct. us. Correct. And I appreciate that so much. I got a little gift for you, Hoodie, because, oh. you know, I know that you know how to read and I know how talented you are, but I want to give you a new job. Okay. Instead of morning show host, there you go, my friend. The oh. new judge. I just appointed oh, you. How about that? The judge for Bernie's book bag. <laughs> yes, because he oh. is always on top of that fine money. Oh, wow. Look at that. I know it's hard <laughs> in radio, but we've got some goodies He's in there. He's got a judge's robe. This is a robe here. And? Oh, that's got to be. And a turkey leg. A gavel. <laughs> no turkey leg? No, no? turkey leg. Wow. Oh, that's too bad. A little too early. That- it's never too early for me, pal. I'll, t- I'll tell you that right now. He's got a judge's gavel and a judge's robe. So every time you hear my partner go, that's a fine. That's right. All the money goes to Bernie's book bank. So all kidding aside, we ask for your help. The 23rd, there'll be a group of us walking uh, 25 miles. And we're going to start at United Center, hit guaranteed rate. Wrigley and the college, uh, all the different colleges. And we are going to have participation from the Red Stars and the Sky and UIC and Loyola and Northwestern. It's going to be really, really cool. I've got a Bernie'sBookBank.org seal on mine, pal. How about that? So now I'm definitely going to be there. Here come the judge. That's, That's me. It. That's going to be me. You got it. How about that? I, so, I always want to be Judge Mathis. There you go. Judge Hood. Case dismissed. Have a good day, crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you, Bernie'sBookBank.org. Bernie'sBookBank.org, and you can make a donation there very quickly, like one cup of coffee. How about that, Carm? Just the price of a cup of coffee can provide books for kids. Four books. Price of a pizza, 12 books. And that's how we're going to get it. We did it last year. We got up to 100,000, you and I. And so I'm hoping that all the listeners want to, you know, participate chip in help us meet our goal but also come out and see us it's a fun day we get some we get some athletes we get some celebs out you know hoodie was out last year you want to you want to rub elbows with the honorable judge hoodie that's right you can now with the real good all right so go to bernie's bookbank.org the event is on september 23 you're out of order you're out of order the whole place is the out whole of order. place is out of order that's it how about that darren thank, thank you, you for darren. coming down here Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate ESPN 1000 support 